0: You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Hey, guys. It is so good to be with you guys tonight. What a, what a blast, right? Yeah. Wasn't that a blast? I mean, that was a good time. Baptized nine people get to worship while doing so. And then get to spend some time together in God's Word. Um, Can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing on an Easter Sunday than sharing this time with you guys. Um, If you're new with us tonight, my name's Joe, one of the leaders here. Let me pray before I begin preaching. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for your Word and thank you for this evening. God, thank you for this day where we just think about and look back upon our risen Savior Thank you, God, for the fact that you hold the the power over Satan's sin in the grave and that tonight we celebrate that not only through our worship together but also through the preaching of your word together but also watching and just uh, participating in nine people publicly affirming uh, the inward work that the gospel of Jesus Christ is doing in them. So Lord, as we arrive at this passage tonight, as our word is open, I pray, God, that your spirit would open our hearts and illuminate the text so that it would make sense to us, challenge us, encourage us. Lord, help us to be people who have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that are ready to be changed by your word. Help the preaching of your word to be powerful and help us to be attentive to it. Lord, I pray that you would take the meditations of my heart and the words of my my mouth and that you would use them to bring you glory and honor and that you would use them to do good work in your sheep and your people who are here. In Jesus' name, everybody said. So kind of a question I want to ask to kind of get us going, to kind of get the train headed down the track the right direction, so to speak. I want you to just think of this. I want you to think about kind of that maybe that time when you saw maybe a little kid learning how to walk for the very first time. What was that like watching a child walk for the very first time? Or have you ever watched maybe a baby calf get born and then get up and learn how to walk and what that was? Was like? Have you ever ever witnessed maybe a person uh, being rehabilitated who was injured badly um, and then learning to walk again and what that experience was like as they walked through that? In a sense, this passage that we're getting ready to dive into tonight is all about learning to walk differently. Like, not just when we begin to follow Jesus, but also as we continue to follow him. There's a sense in which you First begin to follow Jesus that you need to learn to walk differently. But there's also this sense in which when you continue to follow Jesus, that there is a continued day by day, moment by moment, learning to walk again. Like the reality of the Christian life is that at some point, those of you that are hearing this message who are Christ followers, at some point you heard the gospel. And when you heard the gospel, when you heard this message that proclaims that God created us, and then we made a a mess because of our sin, and that Jesus came to live and to die and to be resurrected on our behalf, then the Holy Spirit at some point brought you to this place of like belief and trust in a risen Savior. And then then those of you who are following Christ, you were baptized as an outward profession of inward change that was taking place by the power of the gospel. And then you became part of a local church, which is the body and the bride of Jesus Christ. You became a part of the family of Jesus. And then now you're in a place where you're learning to walk again as people who've been saved and are being changed by God's grace. We're learning to walk differently. That's the reality of the Christian life. But the question that we have to ask ourselves as we look at this passage and as we think about the Christian life and we think about following Jesus, and let me just say, as a side note, if you're here and you're not following him, then my prayer and my hope is that when you you hear this message preached and as we study this passage, that you will be so captured by a picture of what it means to follow a risen Savior and to be baptized in the family of the church, not just symbolically in water, but also by the power of the Holy Spirit who does this radical change. And when you catch that picture, that somehow it will win you and you will want to follow God and that you will catch this big, grand picture of the grace of God that has been poured out on your behalf and that you will submit, surrender, and follow him. My hope for you, if you're here and you're not following him, is that's, that's what would happen for you. And that if you're here and you're following him, my hope is that this would help you to understand what it means to walk differently. Look at Romans 6, 1 through 14 with me. It's Apostle Paul writing, and he says, This: He says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. And I, love, I love Romans. I love Paul as he writes some have said about the Gospel of Romans, some have said about the book of Romans, this is like Paul's Paul's pearl. That Romans, if that's all we had of Paul's writings, we would have all we might need. And in fact, some have said that if we had Romans only and no other book of the Bible, we would have everything we need to understand the message of the Gospel for salvation and sanctification. That's how much... Weight people put in Paul's writing throughout the book of Romans like in these first 14 verses of chapter 6 as we study them Paul explains basically that we should walk differently because we've been baptized because Christ has been resurrected and because of the doctrine of grace baptism isn't just a funny thing that you and I get to engage in where we invite family and take pictures and eat cake afterwards Resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just an American holiday that we celebrate every year where we eat food, hang out with family, and collect Easter eggs. The doctrine of grace is not just something, and in fact it's not some ancient teaching or lofty concept that paves the way for us to continue to sin more. Though I would say that many Christians who do not understand the doctrine of grace believe that because of grace, they can continue to live in sin more. And Paul in this passage says, heaven forbid that would be the way you understand a concept of grace. And the reality that we must be reminded of today is this Truth that if we are in Christ, if we are following Christ, if we have believed upon the name of Christ, if we have believed in his work at the cross, his life that we couldn't live, his death that we couldn't die to pay the the ransom and the payment for sin, and then the doctrine of grace, which means we didn't do anything to earn that. And in fact, if we earned anything, we earned the paycheck of death. That's our paycheck. We believed in Jesus, then we believed that He lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we couldn't de- die so that our sins could be paid, also that we could receive this free gift of salvation by God's grace. If we are here and we believe that and we claim that, then we should walk differently. Paul says, I want you to walk in newness of life. It's a new life that we talk about when it comes to being a Christian. It's this picture of taking the old life off and casting it off and putting on the new life. Paul says this in Ephesians and even in Colossians that there is a sense in which you come to follow Christ in which your old life goes away. You put on a new life by having your your mind transformed and your life transformed and then you begin to put on new clothes. It's a picture of taking a shower. You take off your dirty clothes. You You take the shower, you get clean, you don't stink anymore and you put on new clothes and you walk in newness of life. No longer stinking like the sin that held you in bondage. Paul says we should walk differently because we've been baptized. We should walk differently because of the resurrection of Christ. And we should walk differently because of the doctrine of grace. So verses 1-4, through we learn this first piece, that we should walk differently because we've been baptized. And Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? by no means how can we who died to sin still live in it like the picture that Paul is painting here is that our lives should not be characterized by sin you should not be known for your sin should not be people who throw our hands up in the air and make excuses for sinful living or be passive in regards to sin and just sweep it under the rug and say, no, we're not going to go there. I don't want to talk about that. That should not be the way that Christians follow Christ. It's common to hear someone say, hey, we're all sinners. Like We're all sinners. No one's perfect. We all sin. while these statements are very true, they're often used to gloss over the sin in our lives rather Than motivating us to trust in Christ more as we continue to repent and make war against the sin that we're set free from in the gospel. What shall we say then in regards to sin? Should we say, hey, I'm just a sinner. I can't help myself. Should we say, man, everyone sins and my sinful actions aren't as bad as that person's are not as bad as they were last year. My sin isn't that big of a deal because God's grace has been extended to me. Paul says, no. He says, no, by no means. Heaven forbid. God forbid that any Christian would live this way. If you and I have believed in Christ to save us from our sin, then we, in fact, believe that we are free from our sin. For freedom you have been set free. Christ doesn't offer us freedom in the cross so that we can continue to live in bondage and make excuses about it and gloss over it. Christ offers us freedom in the cross so that we can walk in freedom from our sin. So that we can make war against that sin. We've died to that sin. Paul says, no way. If you and I have believed in Christ to save us from our sin, we believe we are free free from our sin, dead to our sin, no longer enslaved to sin. Think of this picture of slavery. and I doubt very much that any of us here can totally grasp the understanding of what it would be like to be a slave, to have a slave owner, and to have someone rule over you so much so that when you get up, and when you go to bed, and where you sleep, and the clothes you wear, and the work you do, and the person you get to call family, is all dictated by someone who beats the crap out of you every day. I doubt that many of us in this room understand the horrors of what that might be like to be enslaved to someone else. Paul uses this word in terms of slavery, I think very intentionally. We're no longer enslaved to sin because Christ has set us free. We cannot and must not be okay or make excuses for our sin. We must not continue to live in it because we are dead to it. If we're followers of Christ, then we should walk differently because we've been baptized. Paul says, says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father that we too might walk in newness of life. We should underline that and circle that. It's like the key of the entire text is what it means to walk in newness of life and not to walk anymore in the old patterns of the life that we used to have. That if we actually say we've had an encounter with Jesus Christ the risen Savior who was was nailed to a cross and murdered brutally if we claim Him as our Savior, the one who is the lover of our souls and we now say that we love Him. If that is true about you. And the reality is, you should be kissing the old life goodbye and running headlong towards a new life. Hard as it may be, breaking free of slavery is hard. Christ has set you free, but you still have to fight against that. You can't sit back passively, ignore it. The fight against that. The moment. The moment that you and I come to trust in Jesus for salvation from the penalty and the power of our sin is that moment when we truly begin to die to our old sinful nature. Like in that moment and for every moment that follows, we are changed. We are being changed. It's a, it's a both now and not yet. It's a both now and later type of a thing. It's a sense in which when, when you trust in Christ and you repent and you believe, you're saved and you're radically transformed and changed now, completely in front of your Father in heaven. Your Father can now look at you in love rather than looking at you in anger because of Christ, because of what Christ did. If you and I believe and we trust in that, then we've got to continue to walk out this process of change, of learning to walk differently. Holy Spirit does in the midst of this is he continues to apply the gospel to the way that you think. You think about just the ways you think. Think about your heart's desires. Think about the activity of your life. All of the activity of your life and your behavior is all tied to idolatry deep within your heart and those sinful ways that you've always thought. What I see a lot of times that happens with people is they say, well, today I follow Jesus, but tomorrow I don't need the community of Christ. Like, today I needed Jesus to save me, but tomorrow I don't need the family of Jesus to continue helping me walk. I can do this alone. It's not what Jesus had in mind. It's not what God has in mind. It's not what Paul has in mind as he talks about this. He uses these words in the plural sense. Us, we, to togetherness. Walking this out together. As we are baptized, as a symbol of death to life. When we are baptized, we are literally being included into the death of Jesus when we go under the water. It's as though when you go under the water you are being united to Christ's death. And as you come out of the water it's as though you are being united to the power of the resurrection of Christ. This picture of baptism when we go under the water we become dead to the sin that kills us. And we become truly alive as we come out of the water for the first time as children of God rather than enemies. Like in baptism, we are literally proclaiming the inward change that has taken place in the gospel of Jesus. And we're making this a public proclamation with our lives. And the point here is that that we must live out our new life in Christ by the glory of God, Father. The question for you and I is this. Like, Are you learning to walk differently because you've been baptized? Or are you still the same person you were before? If you're a Christ follower here and you see no change in your life, you have to question whether God has actually saved you or not. Are you making excuses for your sin? Are you taking steps to make war against your sinful thoughts, your sinful desires, and your sinful behavior? Are you dying every day to your sin are you living more and more for Christ are you living more and more in freedom from the sin which held you in slavery and bondage or are you continuing to go back to your piles of garbage to find some sort of sustenance there which continues to kill you are you living more and more in freedom with Christ as you're united to him in death and in life through baptism are you learning to walk differently than you used to like if you're here if you're hearing this message if you are a follower of jesus you should walk differently because you've been baptized look at verses 5 through 11 we we also learn that we should walk differently because christ has been resurrected The one thing that I'm convinced of when Paul writes this passage is that he is not writing to a group of Christians that are celebrating Easter once a year like we do here in America. Convinced of that. I'm also convinced that the struggle of early Christians was no different than ours though. What I'm saying is that we struggle just like early Christians to apply the power of the resurrection moment by moment, to our daily lives. We reduce or minimize the power of the resurrection of Jesus to a single day every year where we focus more on the event of an Americanized holiday rather than the process of daily repentance from sin in light of the power of the resurrection. This is a... Great day for us to celebrate. But the problem on the backside is that we reduce it to a single day every year where that's the only time we think about the power of the resurrection for our lives. So the power of the resurrection should be something that courses through the veins of a Christian's life, day in and day out, and moment by moment, and every time sin comes back to tempt you, the thing that you should hold up in your mind is, my Jesus that I have trusted in has beaten Satan, sin, and the grave, I will not go there. That should be the attitude of a Christian. In effect, oftentimes though, attempt to live out a powerless and godless form of Christianity because we minimize the power of the resurrection to help us walk differently. We oftentimes think that walking differently in terms of changing the behavior of our lives, the transformation needs to happen in our minds and the, the desires of our heart can get reduced and relegated down to like 10 steps to walk differently as a Christian type of a book. But the reality is those things are worthless if they're devoid of the gospel and the power of the resurrection. My Jesus came and He lived and He died and then He was resurrected on the third day. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. This is what makes my heart beat on a daily basis. And the question is, does that happen for you? Do you yearn and do you long for the presence and the power of a risen Savior, so much so that it has become, it has become something that you cannot stop pursuing, something, someone you thirst after day in and day out. Paul says, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Like the reality of the resurrection of Jesus is that through our trust in Christ, as we believe the good news of the gospel, we are made to be one with Christ through the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Paul says, We shall certainly be united with him. In other words, like we can trust, we can be certain, we can be sure of the fact that we have been and are being changed by the power of the resurrection of Jesus if we're followers of Jesus if you're here and you claim the name of Christ we should walk differently because Christ has been resurrected Paul says we know we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing Think about this word that Paul uses strategically. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. That's a picture of complete waste. It's a picture that the sin that once held you in bondage, its power was broken. What is it that you struggle with? You struggle with pornography late at night? you struggle with bouncing from one chick to the next? Do you struggle with bouncing from one dude to the next? Do you struggle with alcoholism, drug abuse, any of those things? What is it that you struggle with? You struggle with self-acceptance, self-assurance, insecurity, any of those things. Or struggle in those areas, the power of it has been broken. It has been beaten. It has been brought to nothing. It has been wasted. Why go back to a wasteland? Why would you want to live in a wasteland when you could swim in the depths of the oceans of God's grace and God's love in the gospel? This is the argument Paul is making. <coughs> we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You've been set free. You're no longer a slave. Sin is not your slave owner. For one who has died has been set free from sin. The cross, the cross, the cross where Christ was crucified was an instrument of certain death. Like no one survived crucifixion. If we are believers, then our old sinful ways of thinking, they have been crucified with Christ. Our old sinful desires have been crucified with Him. Our old sinful behavior has been crucified with Our old sinful thinking it has been crucified with Him, murdered with Him, bloodied with Him, brought to nothing because of His cross. Crucifixion of Jesus murdered our sin once and for all. The slave master who held us in bondage has been murdered. He's dead. The cross of Christ. We're no longer slaves to that wicked taskmaster of sin. Because that wicked slave owner has been brought to nothing. It's been brought to nothing. There's no power. You might say, yeah, but I get tempted. Yes, you do get tempted. This is a part of life. Temptation is a piece of that. The power of sin has been brought to nothing. When you give in to sin, you're giving in to something that has been destroyed. When you give in to sin, you're giving in to sin that is nothing. Don't give in to it, Paul says. Because Christ has been resurrected. The slave master who held us in bondage has been murdered through the cross of Christ. We're no longer slaves to that wicked taskmaster of sin because that slave owner has been murdered. Sin has been destroyed. Utterly wasted. Because we who are in Christ have also died with Christ at the cross to our sin. Our sin was nailed to the cross so that we could walk differently in a new life, not walking in the old life that we once walked in. Your life should be characterized by newness, not old sin. Jesus became sin for us. He literally became sin for us so that Through his death on our behalf, we could be set truly free and then be united and made one with him. If we're followers of Jesus, if we claim the name of Christ, we should walk differently because Christ has been resurrected. Paul moves on verses 8 through 11 and he says this. Look back at your Bibles. He says, Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. The life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus died one time. And when he died, he proclaimed that it was finished. The payment for sin was given. His death sealed the deal that paid the price for a ransom to the slave owner that once held us in prison. The paycheck that we would normally receive for our sin is death. Jesus intercepted that paycheck on our behalf. And he received the punishment that we actually deserve so that we then could receive what we do not deserve, which is life in the family and the household of the one that we made war against, whose name is God the Father, who loved us so dearly that he gave his son on our behalf, in our place, so that we would no longer call him enemy, but so that we could call God our daddy. Jesus destroyed the power and the penalty of our sin. He also destroyed the paycheck of our sin, which is death, so that we could truly live in authentic, which means real freedom. Do you know what real freedom is? Do you know what authentic freedom is? Are you free from the shackles which once held you? Or are you still living in the shackles and the dungeon which you've always lived in? Have you really tasted? The true power of the resurrection in your life. Jesus destroyed the power and the penalty of our sin. And he also destroyed the paycheck of our sin. Which is death so that we could truly live in real freedom. Through the power of the message of the gospel of the resurrection. This is why Paul says, so you must consider. You must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Trust in the murdered and resurrected Christ makes us one with him in death to sin. and also makes us truly alive with him through the resurrection as the Holy Spirit takes our dead hearts and then breathes new life into them through the message of the gospel of the resurrected Christ. It's like as though he gives us brand new hearts. The scriptures say he takes our hearts of dead stone and then gives us brand new breathing hearts of flesh wherein the Holy Spirit then inhabits us and changes us and transforms us by the power of the gospel. It's the same power which raised Christ Christ also raises you and I. The same power which gave Christ life after he was murdered on that cross is the same power which gives you and I life, not just one time, but a moment by moment basis, whereby you and I can say, no, no, I found Christ, he found me, I said yes to him, he loves me, now I want to love him by the way that I live, therefore I've now been baptized into the family of God by the power of the resurrected Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit spirit, my life is changing. It's being transformed. Moment by moment, I'm walking differently. I once was blind, but now I can see. Right? I once couldn't walk, but now I could walk because of Jesus He's baptized us. The power of the resurrection at work in each of us. This is the message that we trust in and believe. As followers of Jesus, we should walk differently because Christ has been resurrected are you learning to walk differently are you learning to walk differently is there evidence of repentance in your thinking is there evidence of repentance in your desires is there evidence of repentance in the activity of your life Is there evidence that your old life has been murdered as you learn to live differently? Are you walking differently today because you have encountered and are continuing to encounter the power of the risen Christ? Does your life still smell like grave clothes? Or does your life smell like the beauty of the risen Christ when sin and temptation rear their ugly heads at you, are you vehemently making war against them because you consider yourself to be dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus, is this you? like if you are a follower of Christ, then you should walk differently because Christ has been resurrected? A final couple of verses, verses twelve through fourteen Paul teaches us that, that we should walk differently because of the doctrine of grace as well. Oftentimes when we think of the doctrine of grace, we sometimes equate that with freedom to do whatever we want, which then leads us to believe that we've been given a chance and an opportunity and a license to sin more. And the reality of grace is that that the word literally means unmerited favor or unearned blessing. Grace is like a garden hose. It's like a garden hose that directs the flow of the gospel which saves us and changes us. Grace is an unearned gift from God. Grace is an unearned gift from God which helps us to become different people and helps us to walk differently than we've ever walked before. Grace is not a license to sin more. It is a means by which we are transformed eternally in Christ Jesus. Paul says, let not sin therefore reign. Think about this word reign. Let not sin therefore reign like a king in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Like Many of you hearing this message have been saved by the grace of God, and you're still struggling in your old sinful thinking patterns, your old sinful heart's desires, or your old sinful lifestyle and behavior. Some of you are currently fighting this war against sin, and some of you just need to hear this message to be encouraged. But there are some of you in this room, you need to be waking up. You need to be awoken from your sleep and your slumber so that you can actually enter the fight. Like Sin is like a king that seeks to reign over the kingdom of your heart, your mind, and your behavior. Sin actually wants you to obey its commands. When sin speaks to you, it wants you to ask, how high should I jump? That's what sin is like. It wants you to obey its commands as you give in to sinful desires that well up from deep within you. Sin wants to dominate your thinking, your desires, and the activity of your life. Sin wants to dominate you slowly so that you give in to harmful and destructive living. Sin wants to own you and make you bow down in worship of anything and everything that is contrary to what God asks of you. Sin actually causes you to give your entire being over to the things which are rebellious and unholy in the sight of God. Paul says, don't do this. Paul says, don't let sin be your master. Paul says, don't give in to sin. Don't obey sin's commands. Don't become a tool which builds kingdoms of sinfulness deep within your heart and soul. We must resist sin. Not so that we can earn favor from God. We must resist sin because we have received unearned favor from God. If we're followers of Jesus, we should walk differently because of the doctrine of grace. How do we resist sin, though? Like, how do we resist sin? How do we begin to walk differently so that our lives are characterized not by sin, but characterized by grace? Paul says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been bought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness like the way we resist sin and pursue true change through repentance is completely wrapped up listen completely wrapped up in whom you decide to present yourself to like who are you going to give yourself to sin or god that's the question of the text It's straightforward. It's blank and it's bare. Like there's no other way around. There's no nuances in this. You either present yourself to sin over and over and over again and continue this pattern of sin and more sin and more sin and more more death and more destruction and more sin and more death and more destruction or you can present yourself to God and truly die to your sin because it's been crucified on the cross and you can live in the power of the resurrected Christ and you can be changed not just once but every moment after. We either present ourselves to sin or we present ourselves to God. We can present ourselves to God with our excuses for our sin, hoping that He will overlook our deceitfulness. We can present ourselves to God as people who are working to overcome our sin so that God will accept us. We can present ourselves to God as people who aren't as sinful as other people so that God will then love us more. We can present ourselves to God as people who have all these lists of the great things that we've done and the star charts that we got in heaven because of all of our memorized scripture verses and whatnot. Lists of good deeds and good behavior that we've done. Oftentimes motivated just to earn God's love. The problem with all those ways of presenting ourselves to God is that we are sidestepping the grace of God so that we can do it on our own. This kind of approaching God this way is sinful It's in a sense to give yourselves to sin. It's to present yourself to sin to try to approach God that way because it is self-centered. It is me-focused rather than God-centered, Christ-centered. If we present ourselves this way, we are in effect continuing to present ourselves to sin or our members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. We must not present ourselves to sin. Paul says that we must present ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and then are members to God as instruments for righteousness. Trusting in Christ as the one who brought us back from death to life so that we could be free from the domination of sin. This is the only way to present yourself to God. Paul says that we must present ourselves to God as people who know that sin has no dominion over us since we are not under law but under grace. Sin is not your master if you have believed upon Christ, if you believed the gospel. Sin cannot dominate you anymore. It cannot beat you anymore if Christ is your Savior. Because if Christ is your Savior, then He is also your Master Shepherd. He is your Master. You've been bought from one Master and given to another because of Christ. Every moment of the day, we must remind ourselves that grace is the free gift of God Where salvation is found in the cross. And we must also remember that grace is the free gift of God by which we continue to resist sin and walk differently. If we're followers of Jesus, then we should walk differently because of the doctrine of grace. Are you learning to walk differently because of the grace of God today? Does sin reign like a king and like a master over your mind, your heart, and your soul? Do sinful thinking patterns, simple hearts, desires, simple behavior master your life or characterize your life? Are you presenting yourself to God as someone who is in need of Christ? Or did you say, I needed Him that one day, but I don't need Him now? Where are you in this? Does your life have the stench of death to it? Is your heart like a garbage heap? Have you been so affected by the truth that God in his grace has offered you eternal freedom in Christ despite your sinfulness? Are you motivated to walk differently because of grace? Or are you still trying to earn God's love, affection, acceptance, and favor? I want you to think about what our Father in heaven has given us in Christ. All this talk about sin in Romans 6. All these thoughts about the garbage heap that every one of us in this room has walked in, walked through, sometimes continue to go back through. We think about grace. Grace must be the motivator for you and I to change. If it is not the motivator for you and I to change, then you're simply going to look at these three bullet points that I have on a screen, and you're going you're to turn into a legalist. And, and you can't complete that. Like, you're going to take that as law, and you're going to think, well, Pastor Joe said, the scriptures say I must do X, Y, Z. Here's what you must do. You must trust in Christ and believe in the gospel every moment of every second of every day. And when Satan comes kicking down the doors of your heart and tempting you, you have to fall on your face again before your Savior and make him the king of your life once again because it's in those moments that you are given the opportunity to trust in our risen Savior who by God's grace Pours out the message of the gospel and the power of the Son of God into our lives day by day, moment by moment. Must receive that. If you're a follower of Christ, you should walk differently because of the doctrine of grace. In June of the year 2000, I was involved in this really bad motorcycle accident, pulled out from a truck that was going 50 in Lincoln, nearly died. It was high on drugs, drunk on alcohol. I was living my life so simply you could say that I was kind of riding on a highway to hell. There's nothing about my life that would indicate that I loved God. There's nothing about my life that would indicate that I had experienced the power of the cross or, or that I had met the Christ who had been crucified for my sin or that I had experienced the grace of God in any way. But On that day, God spoke to me. He laid bare the sin of my life And he called me to the cross of Christ where I knelt in front of the new king of my new life. I died that day. I died to my old life and I came alive again for the very first time. And from that point forward, I began to walk differently. Like physically, I had to learn to walk differently again because of my broken leg And for for months afterwards, I had to receive physical therapy. Can you imagine if I would just resist and reject the help that the physical therapists and the doctors would have, have put towards me? Like if I had a sat up in the middle of the street that day and all those people that had come around me and grabbed me out of the middle of the street and then taken my backwards foot and put it back into place and then sat on my chest and then tied me up and then put me on a board and carried me to the hospital so I could receive healing. If I had rejected that and continued to try to do it on my own outside of the community, of the people that I needed so much to fix me, where would I be today? Right? I wouldn't be walking. I wouldn't have a leg. I'd probably be dead. I died that day to my old way of life and from that point forward I began to walk differently. Not just physically with the help of crutches and physical therapists, friends and family but spiritually I began to walk differently as other believers came around me and helped me to walk. I became a follower of Jesus. and I became I, Because I became a follower of Jesus that day I began to walk differently. I began to walk differently because I was baptized into the family of God. I was no longer an enemy of God and a recipient of God's wrath. I was In the family of God, I was his child and I was a recipient of his love from that point forward. Because of the power of the resurrected Jesus, I understood and received for the first time the doctrine of grace, which is unmerited favor. If you're with us today, you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you to begin following him now. The way that you do that is by admitting your sin and admitting your failures and admitting your deep need of him. By trusting in the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, that this message you've heard me preaching all night long has been weaving its way in and out of this message all night long. By by admitting your sin and trusting in the gospel, and begin to make plans now to be baptized as your public profession of the inward change that only God can bring about by the power of His Spirit. Man, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're here, my prayer is that you would continue to grow in your walk and continue to learn how to walk differently because you've been baptized, because of the resurrection of Christ, and because of the doctrine of grace. The question I want to leave you guys with is do you desire to walk differently? Are you walking differently right now? Let me pray as our music team comes forward. Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this passage of Scripture. Oh God, we thank you for the revelation that that Jesus came to die for those of us who who could not live the lives that you would like us to live. Thank you for the power of the resurrection, which reminds us and shows us that you, O Lord, hold the power over Satan, sin, and the grave. Thank you, Lord, for the, the power of your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you for the message of Easter. Thank you for the message that the tomb was empty. But we serve a living Savior who came and sacrificed himself for us. Lord, as we head into communion and worship to close our time together, I pray, God that, I pray, God, that you would use our time to draw some to begin following you for the very first time. Maybe some who thought they'd been following you for eons, but maybe just now have realized they knew a lot of things about you, but they'd not been following you. I pray, God, that you would use this moment to save them I pray for some maybe you just walked in tonight and who've maybe never heard the message but just heard this message the gospel. prayed that they would begin to follow in you now as well. I pray for those who are here that have followed you. I pray, God, that you would seek to encourage and strengthen and build up to fortify the walls of their hearts so that they might make war against sin, remembering that in baptism we are united to you in death and life, that the power of the resurrected Christ courses through each believer in this room, that the message of grace continues to help us grow. God, I pray that. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we wrap up our time together tonight, guys, I'm going to invite you guys to stand with me. We'll have a few people up front to serve communion. You're more than welcome to come and participate in communion with us. If you're new with us and you're not a member, it's okay. You don't have to be a member, but you do have to be a believer. Uh, if you're with us and you're not a believer, it's okay. We're so thankful you're here. We hope that you become a believer at some point, but if you're not a believer, you don't believe in Christ, we don't want you to partake in something that is meaningless to you. So feel free to stay right where you're at. But if you're a believer and you're here, and you know what, as a believer, this this might have been that moment. You might have become a believer through the preaching of this message. And if that's true, then we invite you to come too because you're now part of the family of God through your trust and your belief in the gospel. There will also be two of us near the front to pray with anybody who has any needs, could be any needs, family needs, health needs, struggling in some sin somewhere, need prayer for that. Love to pray with you. Thanks for letting me preach tonight. Love you guys. Let's worship. You're listening to an audio message from The Well. A gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.TheWellHastings.com.